0: Welcome to Mystical Musings, November 16th, 2014, here in the library of Colorado Heights University. Beaming out from the highest place in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us, for creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths, I am because we are. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit Today we muse on the mystery of darkness. We are mining spiritual riches in some of the darker sides of life in this musing today. We look at how attitudes about relationship between yin and yang, light and dark, can make a huge difference in how we choose to live our lives. There are more gifts than we may have noticed in the down, dark times. We know that we go through these passages for cleansing, self-knowledge, and that we experience great awakenings following these difficult events. Today, we are investigating how we navigate the light-dark dialectic in our daily lives. We look at how attitudes about the relationship between yin and yang can make a huge difference in how we choose to live our mystic lives. And we're talking today about the fascinating enigma of it all and what it can mean and how it can feel within us to invite mystery into the depths of our being. Picking up from where we left off last time, our being mostly empty space as it is fulgent, isn't that a great word, fulgent, (laughs) shining brightly. It is fulgent with mystery. The fact that we are mostly empty space. Our body's 40 trillion cells are made up of atoms, and each atom is 99.9 to the 12th 9% empty space. The dense parts of the atom come out of an energy field into particle matter, then disappear back into nowhere, back into an energy field. We're continuously physically changing from an energy field into a partially physical form in dense matter that is mostly not here. In fact, we are only 0.0 to the 11th percent physically here. <laughs> Talk about mystery. <laughs> We're basically holograms. Talk about mystery. We're barely here as energy fields and ever so slightly as particles coalescing around karma, prayer, and intention. How do you contemplate mystery? How do you contemplate the darkness? Not just any old darkness, not just when the daylight yields to dust darkness, but the darkness of our suffering, the darkness of our lives. Buddha said life is suffering the darkness of our shadows, of our disowned energies, and denied feelings of self, how do we contemplate them? How are they part of our daily, daily lives? How do we contemplate these sometimes black holes or what we might think of as portals of our daily lives? We are such mysteries. And speaking of mystery, black holes and portals, We have here today a wonderful art portal from our dear friend, Victoria Coulter. She's really quite an artist. The symbology of the hummingbird is joy and the portal is there for you to gaze upon today. Perhaps to go into and open to its magic As we deepen our awareness of mystery, we deepen our awareness of portals. Vehicles to go deeper. Vehicles to go under the surface. Remembering that as you look at this beautiful piece, soften the eyes. Gaze upon it rather than look into it. Let it come to you softening eyes breathing just a little more fully just a tiny bit lengthening your spine no matter what position you're in with an ever so slight gentle oscillation bending a little bit, extending a little bit so you're just letting that spine become fluid even on a micro micro level we tend overwhelmingly to become fixated let the spine oscillate, even in your imagination. How do I bring the contemplation of mystery into practical, realizable, here now in thisness type of experience? A felt, known, deeply accessible, immediate experience. There are so many time honored techniques from so many traditions that evoke shift and presence as imminently available deepening breath softening eyes even with the lids closed mantra the one we've been so appreciating of late from the presence process is I am here now in this gently micro-oscillating just a little tiny bit above and below the horizon, we get so fixated in slouch, gently oscillating, making microdynamic our tendency to go beyond fixation and move gently and fluidly with our spines, the fundamental line that defines our being physically. Breathing just a little more fully, we so easily tend to hold our breath. There are so many ways from so many traditions. One of the most time-honored of all, here in Colorado we revel in it, contemplating nature. Every once in a while, just extending your energetic field out to the mountains, Let the mountains come to you and you go to the mountain. Buddha said life is suffering. He didn't say life is miserable. He said life is suffering. What is the root of the word suffering from the Latin bearing under? That casts a different life on the notion of life as suffering. It's a bearing under the surface. What is under the surface? To a considerable extent in our cerebral society, what is very often under the surface is emotion, heart, and awareness of energy and motion or the lack of it. And so that holy trinity of the three-headed dog, serpent, lion, Cerberus, who guards the gates of the underworld, the three heads of anger, Fear and grief. So often incomplete in each of us at different times in our lives. Notice which one beckons you today. Noticing which of the three heads is mostly up, most current right now. And just breathing a little bit into that feeling. Just a little not much, wrapping your arms around the child within who is so easily wounded when those feelings were not complete and totally felt. Just breathing into that feeling that is most up for you at this moment and wrap your arms around the feeling with unconditional love, fuller breath, presence. Feeling our feeling that we would otherwise push away in order for it to become complete. Fuller breath, letting go into it, observing without attachment to outcome, unconditionally loving ourselves, not reacting but responding, breathing continuously and a little more fully. The great task of the mystic is learning to feel and see in the darkness and not be afraid. When body weakens, spirit grows stronger. When joints stiffen, mind grows more flexible. When heart grows tired, courage awakens. As steps wobble, soul remains unmoved. Heart, radiance, lighting the darkness of the world. Thank you for being here today with us. Namaste.
1: I join Lawrence in welcoming everyone here who is here in the flesh and who is here in the spirit. We do these musings as a form of adoration for us. It's a way of expressing where we are and who we are. And we also do it because we get to be with a collection of our closest friends at least once a month. So the disadvantage of not having a huge number of people is totally eclipsed by the fact that we have much more hug time. (laughs) And so it's wonderful to have you here and in your hearts and open to hearing what we have to share. The topic is very important today, and uh, I can hardly wait to talk about it. But meanwhile, we'll do some music and meditation. Welcome.
0: Ah, the mystery of silence, stillness, the home of the mystics for millennia, especially the mystery of Myron's mystical, magical, musical tour. Spontaneous creation that happens with your help. Myron channels from the field that we all generate into the beauty of the sounds that we get to listen to. Such a mystery. How does creation happen like that? So awesome, so beautiful. Thank you. The following is a note from the universe. Some of you may be familiar with that email. Comes around. This one caught my attention. The top 10 things dead people want to tell living people. Number one, we're not dead. Number two, we're sorry for any of the pain that we caused. Three, there's no such thing as the devil or hell. Four, we were ready to go when we went. Five, you're not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Six, We finally understand what we were missing. Seven. Nothing can prepare you for the beauty of the moment you arrive. Eight. Don't try to understand this now, but life is exceedingly fair. Nine. Your pets are as crazy, brilliant, and loving here as they were there. and 10, not just loving those who love you, life really is all about love. A spiritual response to a deeply felt experience of mystery is awe. Full disclosure, I am a Coloradan born, but not bred, returned now for 14 years. And so I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by extraordinary Colorado, natural beauty. At this darkening time when many people's suffering is intensified, ISIS, Ebola, Boko Haram, partisan political polarization, climate change, natural Colorado provides a portal through awesome beauty into mystery. We gaze out each day at 14,000 foot Mount Evans, and when we're not in the mountains visiting friends, we're in our garden letting the, green, the great mountain and Mama Gaia embrace us in her magic, beauty, wonder, and awe. And so for this month's incipient evidence for mass positive transformation, I put forth the emotion of awe as a prime evocateur of mass positive transformation. This is a segment that we do each month incipient evidence for mass positive transformation, trying to find the things that are positive in this incredibly dark and negative time, especially through most media. So there are some really good things going on as well. Joyfully leaping without a net into the portal of deep presence and mystery eternal. Awe is an emotion comparable to wonder but sometimes less joyous, a combination of surprise, Wonder and fear. One dictionary definition is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration. Fear produced by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful. In awe of God. In awe of great political figures. In awe of a great work of art or music. A mixed emotion of reverence, respect, dread and wonder. Inspired by authority, genius, great beauty, sublimity and power. We felt awe when contemplating the works of Bach. We are in awe of the destructive power of new weapons. We're in awe of the great pyramids of Giza, the Grand Canyon, or the vastness of the cosmos. In a recent cover story, Sierra Magazine reported on the science of awe. Subtitled, we were right all along. Nature is a drug, let's get high. The report charts what happens when nature blows your mind and starts with the author noting a huge feeling and presence of mysterious synchronicity where the mountains, people, and the river are hanging together in ethereal balance. This dynamic experiential balance is awe, an emotion that can have profoundly positive effects on people. Inherent in awe is a sense of the unexpected especially of vastness. This experience can be profound in that it compels people to reexamine their mental models of possibility. A recent Scientific American article on awe reveals how this experience of awe increases well-being by nurturing a sense that in our time-pressed lives, there is more time available that time is profoundly elastic. The ripples and for some waves from an experience of awe includes acting more generously and ethically, more critical thinking when encountering strong stimuli like arguments or advertisements, feeling deeper connections with others and with the world at large. Awe prompts people to shift the direction of their attention from self to others and to the world in general. The primary stimulus of awe by about 75% of the time is nature. From great joy and pleasure to deep fear, from magnificent natural wonders, waterfalls, huge trees, great canyons, beautiful vistas, the vast sky heavens, to birthing human or otherwise, to great devastation. Fleeting and rare, awe can profoundly change life in powerful and permanent ways. Results can include wanting to be quiet and still as practices, wanting to make the world better, wanting to purify, embracing more humility. There are some people who say awe is a hallmark of spiritual experience, that awe lifts people beyond the daily mundane experience. There are some who say that awe is a fundamental characteristic of the ancients' experience of being human. Hence the awe experienced in shamanic and indigenous practices. When the mysterious awe experience is very powerful, it can be startling and breathtaking. A moment that shatters identity but also saturates the world with meaning and with purpose. Mystery has two fundamental aspects. The dark night of the soul and the mystery of suffering or dark shadow and what we can also think of as the light or golden shadow of awe and wonder. And so inspired by the awesome natural wonders of Colorado, I propose that a golden shadow of mystery known as awe is this month's candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Namaste.
1: I have been experiencing some severe vertigo and it comes and goes. When it first came the room totally spun around. I didn't know where I was. I groped my way into the bathroom because it creates nausea also. So it was severe for three days and Then after that, it just comes in waves. And so I like to have something to hang on to if it might wave. Now, that is a matter of the dark side for me, right? The light side of that is that I now am required to move my body in the way Lawrence has been trying to teach me for 14 years. (laughs) I don't have a choice anymore. if I space out and go up into my head, I will start to teeter, and it's dangerous. So, we've been talking here about moving toward a consciousness we've never known before, which is the dark and the light as one consciousness. And so, the dark was the vertigo, the light was a more ergonomic use of my body, there is another deep shadow moment, deep dark moment that happened this month with the death of one of my dearest, closest, oldest friends. He was with me at Princeton. He was a student. I was teaching there and he came to Colorado and we spent a lot of time together and um, we went to Evergreen together, share a house in Evergreen and there we formed a sacred community of about 40 people. I would teach a class a week and all 40 people would be there and it was i was 10 years older than most other people so it was child bearing time and so we came to think of ourselves as a tribe of people and we raised the children all together and those children have stayed together all these years even though they're not physically together they meet they go on adventures together So it really did take a village, it took a tribe, to raise these extremely conscious, open-hearted, amazing kids. So when Michael died, he had an accident on a trail. He climbed a tree and fell 22 feet onto a boulder field. And it was heartbreaking for the community because we're so Interrelated. Absolutely heartbreaking. He was 64. That's out of the natural order. Three amazing children. So the dark side was his death, which we grieved and grieved and grieved. We're doing his memorial service next Saturday. He'll give us a chance to get together and celebrate his life and mourn his passing. The light that has come out of that is remarkable in that the tribe, the group of the tribe, has come closer than ever. Rebondings have happened. Hearts have opened. We've cried together. We've prayed together. And it has given us strength to go through the grieving. So looking at the light side and the shadow side has been extremely important for us this month. So it's an opportunity to practice what we have been talking about, of bringing light and shadow and looking for the light and shadow in every event that goes on in our lives. It's a practice, and it's an awesome one. We've also, this month, through all the darkness, have been very aware of the deep mystery of life. And we've practiced it brought it into our bodies and practiced it. So I look out at all of us today, and there's a mystery here. There's something my intellect cannot understand. There is so much more than what our senses tell us. Going on all the moment, and it's so easy to stop for the moment and invite the mystery in, and let it embody us, and then look at everything. Lawrence is talking about nature. There is the mystery of nature, and its beauty, and its wonder, and it exists in mystery. A lot of our forefathers, in terms of the mystic path, have been nature mystics. That is to say, they have realized the presence of God through a revelation in nature. So the poet Wadsworth was one of those, and there are many others. And then there are what are called internal mystics, which are people who have their mystical experiences sitting on the top of a mountain, sitting in the middle of the desert where there's nothing, sitting at home, Being uh, shut in, and then grace arrives, and you begin to open. And when we open, there is such a profound sense of mystery. It is that the whole divine presence is the mystery, and we are a part of it, and there's no way we'll ever understand it. It's not meant to be understood. We do not want to put attributes onto the divine. We want to just feel that mystery in our hearts and keep bringing it down into our bodies. And it makes our ordinary life seem more magical than ever. The great mystery that we live with is indeed the mystery of darkness. That mystery is that the light can only be found in darkness. If there is no darkness, if there is no pain, if there is no confusion, then there is no reason to even reach out and ask for something more. Most of us have been brought to our knees because we can't figure it out. We can't understand what's going on. So in my case, I had everything going for me. A great job, fabulous students, a wonderful relationship with my wife, more money than the junior professor usually makes. Everything just seemed wonderful. largest class ever at the university and I was miserable absolutely miserable because I was standing in front of 700 people talking about what everyone thought about God and I was in great pain because I didn't know God and it was killing me I was in such despair, I could hardly function. So it's in that moment when I felt that I would die if I didn't understand something, if something didn't come to me. So for months, I was just on my knees saying, if you're there, you have to reveal yourself to me. I can't live. Let me know one way or the other, but let me know. And it was in that moment of profound despair that a light dawned and that light was the most delicious, beautiful experience I had ever had. As I relaxed into it, invited it into me more fully, I had the sense of living in ecstasy, absolute ecstasy and bliss. In my case, it was for eight hours. And from that time, that sense of inner peace has never gone away. But I then would go into contractions and I'd be on my knees again and say, I know you're there. So when it's time, come to me again. The requirement was that I live the darkness. That I allow anger, grief, rage, loneliness, confusion, frustration, disappointment all be there in me. And when I lived it through, going through the darkness, then the light reappeared. And that's been the life of Most of us, we go through periods of beautiful expansion and knowledge and closeness and then periods of contraction, periods of not knowing. I had one of those periods of contraction also this year. And it was when both of my eye doctors told me that my vision was much much worse and they're ordinarily unflappable physicians but they were concerned they were worried that I would lose my vision more quickly so that put me into a depression into a dark place within myself really dark place within myself in which I lost faith. And that's really unusual. After 45 years on this mystical path, it's very unusual. But there it was. Now, one of the interesting things that, about this period, is that I discovered I had a faith beyond faith, which was the faith that I would recover. That I would come back and live in the divine presence. But it did take a huge. Dose of grace. For that to happen. I could not get myself out of it. We are not able. To get out of the darkness. All of our illusions of control. Go away. We don't have a choice. We can't think ourselves out. We can't even pray ourselves out. We are only lifted out of darkness. By grace. So on the summer solstice. In this place of despair, Lawrence and three of our closest friends went to a beautiful sacred spot we know in the mountains. And unbeknownst to me, they decided that they were going to do a healing. So they stood around me and brought in so much unconditional love, so much light that the burden was lifted and i have never gone back there. So they had the feeling and the guidance that they could invoke grace. During the time that I was in that despair, I never tried to get out of it because I knew that grace would come, although I couldn't feel it. That was the thing about not having the real faith that I have. I couldn't feel it. But it was an absolute sudden and beautiful healing. Didn't heal my eyes, didn't heal, heal my hearing, but it healed my soul. So I could surrender and say, if I am to have vision for the rest of my life, so be it. If I'm to lose it, so be it. If I can hear with more and more adjustments to my hearing aids, great, I'll celebrate that. But if I can't, that's okay, Because there is a knowledge that comes to us in darkness that our only resource is the divine presence. And the divine presence comes from within us. And I realized then, thinking about darkness, as we have this month, that the darkness is also within us. It's not a darkness out there. It's my darkness. And my darkness is given to me as a gift by my soul to wake me up even further. And I have learned with all my years on the mystical path that I will go down and I will not be able to bring myself up. But grace will come when the time is right. And when I have learned what I needed to learn in that time of contraction, it won't come until that but it will come. So the great mystery, again, of this creation is that the light is inside the dark. And we go through these periods of contraction knowing that we can't do a thing about it, but awaiting grace and making ourselves available to grace emptying ourselves, opening our hearts to the divine presence that is within us and ultimately finding meaning in the darkness that our soul has given us as a gift. And then when we know that and we return from the contraction once again we are made aware of the great mystery. The great mystery of existence. The great mystery of love. The great mystery of celebration, the great mystery of joy. The great mystery of unconditional joy. And we live not wanting to forget that mystery. So, sitting at home the last few days, I've had such wonderful experiences because I had cataract surgery Thursday, last Thursday. Many of you attended. Um, and our friend Victoria is a, a retired eye surgeon. And so, she went with me in a surgery center she helped found. So she came with me into pre-op and did jenshin jitsu. So I had all this wonderful energy work going on. And when the nurse said, what are you doing? She said, I'm doing energy work. I'm getting flows going. The nurse said, oh, well, yeah. Oh, I don't know anything about that, but he's got a smile on his face. (laughs) And then so many of you showed up in the room. Victoria and I were thinking, there's no room for us in here. (laughs) Too many people. It was beautiful. Then Victoria put on her scrubs and came into the surgery for me. Holding me throughout the surgery. And my vision is so much better. It's absolutely awesome how much better it is. And so I sit in my living room alone and look out of my windows there, and everything exists as oneness. Everything exists as mystery. It has this glow, this beautiful light the sense of wonder and the sense of joy, and my heart opens, and I feel totally at peace and completely in joy and in love with all of creation. Namaste. I do want to say one other thing. Which is extremely important, which is that the trial of going through constantly decreasing vision is as hard on Lawrence as it is on me. Just as hard, if not worse. We've been adjusting, he's putting railings into the garden, and he takes my arm when there are steps because I didn't before have any depth perception. And I am so aware that the Divine Presence operates in and through Lawrence, and that I could not go through anything that I'm going through without his love. couldn't do it.
0: from a millennial client friend in Alaska going through his dark night with whom lately I've been working weekly on the phone. He says, I notice that after the big waves of grief are felt, after they're felt and after they come and are breathed a little more fully, I feel gratitude. I feel the presence of God. It is a dark night and I am thankful for the opportunity. Great mysteries embody themselves in our mystic life. Inspired by great grandfather Rumi, brilliantly evoking felt here now mysteries. In the silence between your heartbeat bides a summons. Do you hear it? Name it if you must or leave it forever nameless, but why pretend it is not there? What in our lives is calling to us? When noise silences, meetings adjourn, (coughs) lists laid aside, and wild iris blooms by itself in the dark forest, What still pulls on my soul? How does a part of the world leave the world? How does wetness leave water? Don't try to put out fire by throwing on more fire. Don't wash a wound with blood. No matter how fast you run, your shadow keeps up. Sometimes it's in front. Only full overhead sun diminishes your shadow, but that shadow has been serving you. What hurts you, blesses you. Darkness is your candle. Your boundaries are your quest. I could explain this, but it will break the glass cover on your heart and there's no fixing that. You must have shadow and light source both. Listen and lay your head under the tree of awe. When from that tree feathers and wings sprout on you, be quieter than a dove. Don't even open your mouth for even a coo. I am dying into your mystery and dying, I am now no other than that mystery. I open to your majesty 20 times as an orchard welcomes rain. If you are a true human being, gamble everything for love, work, keep digging your well. Don't think about getting off from work. Water's there somewhere, submit to daily practice. Your loyalty to that is a ring at the door. Keep knocking and the joy inside will eventually open a window and look out to see who's there. I am dying into your mystery and dying. I am now no other than that mystery. Opening to majesty 20 times as an orchard welcomes rain, gambling everything for love. We are dying into mystery listening and laying our heads under the tree of awe. We honor the place in us wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in us which is of love, truth, light and peace with a deepening sense of mystery. We are one. Namaste. Namaste.